This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Western North Carolina. Welcome to a Tuesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. Happy Halloween to those of you that uh, indulge or enjoy uh, this day. Uh, it is uh, going to be a chilly one in a lot of parts of this country. There was It was uh, snowing in Chicago this morning. Temperatures were in the 20s, and it's going down uh, to the 20s. It's supposed to go down to 23 degrees here overnight. So I've got uh, some work to do in the garden to get the last of my uh, my peppers out of the garden. Uh, they were they're still out there growing away. So we're gonna have to clean that out today so I don't lose what's there. But uh, uh, anyway, it's uh, uh, going to be a chilly one at least here along the East Coast. Um, lots of sports action last night. Of course, we had the World Series uh, Game Three. Before we get to that. Um, <laughs> And, and, I, and I'm guessing Major League Baseball is now regretting this. And, and, and um, Major League Baseball invited Mookie Betts um, to come onto their social media platforms and uh, to uh, the MLB network, et cetera, et cetera, to, to uh, you know, kind of give his take on baseball and on the World Series and yada, yada, yada. Well, uh, unfortunately, I think it went in a direction that Major League Baseball was not counting on. He was interviewed by the Los Angeles Times on Monday at the World Series. And the subject of Trevor Bauer came up. And, you know, (laughs) I don't even know where to go with this. First of all, I love Mookie Betts. Okay, um, but this this is kind of a, a I don't know whether you'd call it tone deaf or uh, or what. I mean, Mookie just speaking his mind, but he said that he hopes that somebody will sign Trevor Bauer to pitch for them next season. And he said, "My experience with Bauer is not anything remotely close to what everyone else's experience is." He says, "I love him. I think he's an awesome guy. The personal things, I have no control. I have no say. Obviously, nothing's ever come from it. He's an awesome pitcher. He's a great guy. Somebody who takes the mound every fifth day. Uh, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I don't make the decision. That the decision is not as simple as baseball. Well, he's not completely wrong." Uh, it is a lot more complicated than that. It is more than baseball. And here's the difficulty with the whole thing. And and I, I don't, I, you know, we've talked about this on the air a few times. But, look, we all know what Trevor Bauer was accused of doing. Here's the problem. Trevor Bauer has never been charged with a crime. 
the lawsuit that was filed against him uh, was settled this month. Um, Bauer denied the allegation from the very beginning, said that the encounters that he had with this woman were completely consensual. And he has countersued uh, another woman who came forward and um, he's never been charged with anything. So what, so what do you do with that? Here's the problem. Yes, he was never charged. That is true. And even if these acts, and I'm not going to go into them. I mean, you've all read enough about them. But even if they were consensual, he has not uh, made a good accounting of himself with the way some of the things he's done on social media, the videos that he has put out. Uh, the belligerent attitude that he's had towards the whole thing. And, I mean, there was no sense of, you know, almost there was no sense of shame, even if it was consensual. The problem is the following. If you sign this guy as an owner, you run the risk of alienating your fan base, especially your female fan base. Even if it was consensual, some people are never going to believe that. And even if it was consensual, the things that were be, that that were done as part of a consensual act are frightening to some people, especially any woman that has ever been a victim of sexual abuse, even if it was consensual and it was simulated sexual abuse, it's not going to sit well with women that you would have a man on your team that would be willing to participate in something like that. So to say it is a slippery slope would be the understatement of the century, and I just don't see how anybody would have, and and I don't even want to say courage to sign Trevor Bauer. I just don't see how any owner in Major League Baseball could look at Trevor Bauer, weigh the risks that are involved. Yes, he is a very good pitcher. Hell, he was an all-star in Japan this year. I mean, he got off to a rough start there, but he turned it around. He pitched great there. There is no denying the guy can pitch. But when you weigh the potential benefit of having him on your roster and having him as part of your rotation versus the crap that you're going to take for that, I don't know how you can say, oh, yeah, this is a good idea. I know. I don't know how you do that. So, uh, I, I don't know, you know, but I, I know that Major League Baseball is not going to be happy with Mookie Betts. You know, I mean, that's just one of those, if you're Mookie, what he should have done, <laughs> the last thing he should have done was say, oh, he's an awesome guy. 
I love them. Even if you feel that way, your best bet would have been to just make the statements that you do. You know, the guy can pitch, you know, the personal stuff that's gone on, you know, nothing ever came of it, but I don't make the decisions and it's not as simple as baseball. That's the most important part there that he said. It's a decision that's not as simple as baseball. He was suspended, you know, for 324 days or 324 games for violating the baseball's domestic violence and sexual assault policy. But at the, you know, it was reduced to 194 games by, uh, by an arbiter. But how do you, you know, I mean, if you're Trevor Bauer, how do you think that there's a path forward for you when you haven't shown any remorse? And I understand that Trevor Bauer is going to say, well, I don't have anything to be remorseful about. It was consensual. But you're tone deaf and blind if you can't see the pitfalls, the the public relations nightmare that it creates, not just for the team, but for Trevor Bauer himself. I mean, can you imagine him going out to the mound and the reception that he would get? Not just from... <laughs> not just from the road fans that would be killing him, but I'm not even sure he'd get a good reception from home fans. I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know how that could ever work. So, uh, so when I saw Mookie Betts was trending, the, the way I found out about it, I was on Twitter, and I saw that Mookie Betts was trending, and I was like, uh oh, you know, I hope he's okay, and uh, and. The story that, you know, it came out about him making those comments. And then, of course, I looked deeper into it. And then it was a story in the Associated Press about it. And I was like, oh, Lord, have mercy. So uh, I, I don't I, – I just don't see it. Not th- not this coming year, not the year after that, maybe not ever. But it is still too fresh in people's minds for this to even be a consideration, in my opinion. So uh, it's probably some ill, and I'm sure now with Mookie Betts, with the furor that has happened uh, since then and the comments that have been made on social media, even about Mookie Betts now, you know what I mean? Because there's a lot of people saying, Mookie, I love you, but good Lord, dude. You know, uh, and, and, and there were a lot of comments, by the way, on Twitter, like, if my team ever signs this guy, I no longer be, I, I, you know, I've, I've been a fan of this team for 40 years and I will, I will stop rooting for them. And I don't think that's hyperbole. I think that a lot of people feel that way. Um, and, and I'm not sure there's an owner willing to risk that. Maybe the Oakland A's would, you know, because they don't seem to care about any about their fans at all. So maybe maybe the Oakland A's would. <laughs> you know, I mean, they, 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 you know, they played in a dump for all those years and they took their fans for granted and put out a crap product on the field. And, you know, maybe they figured they could get Trevor Bauer for a song. So maybe they'd be willing. Outside of that, I'm not sure that anybody would. So anyway, uh, <laughs> I'll be curious to see if Mookie tries to walk some of those comments back today uh, after what came out in the press yesterday. Uh, game two, excuse me, game three last night. The Rangers win it 3-1. to one. Uh, Corey Seager, the hero of the game, uh, the two-run home run was one thing, but the double play that he started in the eighth inning 
probably saved the Rangers' bacon in that game. And, you know, let me tell you something. That was not an easy double play. That ball was smoked. And he went in a slide, made it, had to make a backhanded flip to second base to start the double play. The relay uh, by Semyon just gets the runner and going down to first. And they turn it and they save the Rangers, you know, maybe, you know, because you never know whether, you know, anything else would have happened after that. But uh, Aroldis Chapman had already come in and given up, you know, a double and a single and a run scored. You know, and and then that ball that got smoked. You know, I made a comment last night on social media with, you know, uh, half joking. But, you know, Aroldis Chapman is not a guy that I want in the game, you know, because I just don't think that, you know, the guy has coughed up so many, so many leads late in games. I don't care he throws 100 miles an hour. And I'll give him credit. He made a great pitch. Last night to Corbin Carroll, he'd been throwing fastball after fastball, and then, you know, on a 3-2 count, he throws him a breaking ball that's right down the middle, and Carroll's not looking for it and strikes out. I'll give him credit for that one. But, you know, that, uh, the, you know, that, that next one that was smoked to the shortstop, if it wasn't Corey Seager, there's a decent chance that ball's in the outfield anyway. And then who knows what happens. So uh, Corey Seager uh, earning his money. And uh, the, the question becomes now the Rangers are up two games to one, but how costly was that game last night? How concerned should Rangers fans be? Max Scherzer goes three innings. He throws three scoreless innings, comes out for the fourth, starts to – you could see him stretching his back as he walked out onto the field. He gets out to the mound, throws a couple of pitches, and he's like, nope, done. Had lower back tightness. He was, you know, and he said he was, he, and he said he was, it was spasming. So what does that mean now for the Rangers rotation? Max Scherzer was a guy that was in line to pitch Game Seven or Game Six. So they have to bring John Gray out of the bullpen, and Gray was great. You know, Gray is a guy who's only, I think, had relieved once. In his career, comes out last night and throws three shutout innings, strikes out three, only gives up one hit. And then Sabors comes out, pitches a scoreless inning, strikes out a couple of guys, and then Aroldis Chapman tried to cough it up. Seager bails him out, and then LeClerc was great in the ninth inning. But if you don't have Max Scherzer further on in this rotation, if this thing goes seven or six, what do you do? Um, they're going to throw Andrew Heaney today. It was they were probably going to throw John Gray today in Game Four, but with Gray having to come in last night, uh, Gray threw thirty pitches last night. So Andrew Heaney is going to get the start in Game Four today, and it's going to be a bullpen game for Arizona. So you would say, okay, this is advantage Rangers here. You know, you're going against – you're not going against, you know, Merrill Kelly or, you know, Zach Gallen or anybody like that. And, and you know, Brandon fought last night with the exception of the home run he gave up to Seager was really good. He pitched five and a third, only gave up four hits. You know, the kid was pretty good. But now a bullpen game tonight. But it's not even the Scherzer thing, if you're a Ranger fan, that scares you. 
The biggest injury last night was when Adolis Garcia had to leave the game after what appeared to be an oblique injury. You know, the Rangers said that he had some tightness on his left side, which that's, you know, when you could see where he grabbed, that's your oblique. I've done that, and it takes an ob- I'll tell you what, an oblique injury, well, especially for somebody my age, because I did it a couple of years ago, it, you know, there are still days when I feel it. That's one of those injuries that can hang on for a, a long time. Bruce Bochy said after the game, we're optimistic. He said, but we'll know more tomorrow, he, which means he's getting an MRI. But it's and, and we already know, look, he's hit eight home runs in the playoffs. You know, we big moment after big moment after big moment. It's not even just that. It's that he is a very, very good outfielder. Showed it last night with a throw he made to get a runner at the plate. And, you know, if they don't have him, if Travis Travis Jankowski, you know, is in your outfield, and this is nothing against Travis Jankowski. He's got a lot more talent than I ever had. He's played in the major leagues. But if 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 you got if you got him in place of Adolis Garcia, you're not you know you're not feeling as confident as a Ranger fan. But Garcia made a throw last night, and granted, Christian Walker helped him out. I mean, Christian Walker ran, ran right through a stop sign, and Garcia threw him out from right field, and you know it wasn't close. But then when he heard himself later, you know, you could hear every Ranger fan groaning. You know, and it's not that this team doesn't have more firepower, you know, or doesn't have firepower without him. But he has been Mr. Clutch this entire World Series. This, with the entire playoffs, not just the World Series. So, you know, what, what do you do? You pray. That's what you do. Uh, we'll know more today, but my guess is, I guarantee you, Garcia is not playing today. That's not going to heal overnight. Even if it was just a tweak, you have a 2-1 lead, give him the day off. I mean, I think you almost have to, don't you? You know, because the problem, you know, and the problem with this, this you know, this is, is we don't have a lot of off days. If you give him today off and you give him, you know, if you give him today off and tomorrow off, then you have Thursday off before the series finishes up Friday, Saturday, if it goes seven. So theoretically, you could give him three days off before he has to play again. But if it truly is an oblique tweak, then I just, you know, then he's done. You know, you, and that just means guys like, you know, a, a, a lot of it's going to fall on a guy like Mitch Garver. You know, Garver is struggling. You know, he's had, you know, he's had a couple of big hits in the playoffs, but by and large, he's struggling. You know, he he did not have a great, you know, ALCS. He's hitting 091. So, you know, but he's going to have to play a big part. We already know what Seager can do. Evan Carter has been great. Marcus Simeon has been underwhelming. 
You know, he had an RBI last night. But, you know, he's hitting 200. So, you know, they're going to have to have some other people step up. And, you know, Lowe has been the invisible man in the playoffs. I mean, so they've got other guys that can do it. But, boy, going without Adolis Garcia is going to be a handful for these Rangers teams. So uh, you, you, you hold your breath. And you hope that Andrew Heaney versus the bullpen tonight is enough to get you a victory. And then you're going to throw Nate Evaldi in game five. You've got Montgomery lined up probably for game six. And then in a game seven, if Scherzer's not available, I would imagine you would come back with Gray. And with Gray only throwing 30 pitches yesterday on Monday, you wonder if you give him Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday off, if you come back with him in a game six and save Montgomery for game seven. You know, uh, and, and it's all it's all going to depend on how Max Scherzer feels today. You know, if he wakes up today and you know he's feeling better and you know he doesn't have the back issues and you know gets some treatment, you know maybe he's okay. But maybe he's only going to be okay for three or four innings. But you'd rather, you know, I would guess you'd rather have that than not. You know, he did, you know, he only struck out one guy last night. He did walk a couple, gave up a couple of hits, but he battled. And with a guy with a history like he has in the World Series, you know, I think you'd rather have him on the mound than Andrew Heaney or John Gray. I mean, John Gray, this is uncharted territory for John Gray. He pitched his, most of his career in the Col- in Colorado. They weren't getting a lot of playoff run in Colorado. So uh, so we'll see. But uh, it, it was a win for the Rangers, and you'll take it. But you, you have to hope that it wasn't uh, a win that sets you back for the rest of this series. Game four tonight, 8 o'clock on Fox. Uh, by the way, game one, the extra inning win for the Rangers, such a great game. The lowest ratings ever for a game one in the World Series in TV history. Least watched game in TV history for a game one of a World Series. Um, 9.35 million viewers on Fox. Between uh, Fox, Fox Deportes, and their streaming service. The previous low, 9.48, which was the uh, pandemic year between the Dodgers and the Rays. Um... Now, having said that, it was still the most watched thing on television that night. (laughs) I mean, you know, so I guess take that for what it's worth. You know, it was still, uh, you know, it was a Friday night. There's not a lot going on. The second most watched thing that night was uh, an episode of The Price is Right, which got like 3 million viewers. So, I mean, it was the, the numbers were down, but it was still the most watched thing on television that night. And... Let's keep in mind that the ratings are lower now because there's more people watching other things. There's more people that have cut the cord. You know, there are so many more options now. So the numbers are never going to be like they were in years past. You know, and it's not football. And, you know, look, um, 
I'm sure the ratings for last night were not going to be good because I'm sure Monday Night Football beat the ever-living crap out of it. But it's the, you know, and, and I said this from the beginning, that, that Major League Baseball couldn't be happy because it was Texas and Arizona. And nobody cares except for the people that live in Arlington and that live, you know, in Arizona. That's it. Those are the only people that care. Because the Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks do not have a national following like a lot of the big market teams do, like the Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers, Cubs, Cardinals, yada, yada, yada. So you knew it was going to be a problem. I mean, you know, they said the previous low for a game one was in 2020 between the Dodgers and the Rays. Well, that's because the Rays were in a damn thing. Nobody cares. And for, and for the Dodgers, yeah, they have a national following, but you either love them or you hate them, right? There's not a lot of in-between with the Dodgers. Same with the Yankees and the Red Sox. You love them or you hate them. So, you know, not a surprise, but it's still, if you keep it in perspective, it was still uh, the most watched thing of that day. And, you know, with the way – TV viewing is now, um, I think it's to be expected. If it's not the Super Bowl, I don't think, you know, I mean, that really, at the end of the day, the Super Bowl, you can't measure it by the, the, the numbers of the Super Bowl because that's just, you know, it's just ludicrous. Uh, one other note, it's kind of a tangential note from the uh, from the, the World Series, but Frank Howard died yesterday. Frank Howard um, was huge. Uh, watched him play when I was a kid. Um, six seven, two hundred and fifty-five pounds, uh, three hundred and eighty-something career home runs, three hundred eighty-two. Uh, won a World Series title with the Dodgers, but he's best known for being a member of the Washington Senators. Also played a little bit with the Mets. Um, he was the uh, Rookie of the Year with the Washington Senators. He played seven years with the Senators. Now, of course, the Senators became the Texas Rangers. They left Washington to go to Texas. So Frank Howard has the distinction of hitting the last home run for the Washington Senators in 1971 and then hitting the first home run for the Texas Rangers in Arlington Stadium in 1972. Uh, but he, big guy, played uh, from 1958 to 1973, played almost 1,900 games, Managed for a couple of years. He managed the Padres for a year and the Mets for a year. Um, led the AL in home runs twice uh, in uh, 68 and 70. And, uh, and by the way, he had 48 home runs in 69. He didn't even win the home run title that year. But it's still the most in Washington baseball history. So uh, Frank Howard was 87 years old, and he, uh, he passed away yesterday. And uh, uh, the gentle giant, they call him. I saw a great clip last night. On uh, on Twitter, I guess we're supposed to call it X now, but it's still Twitter. Um, of uh, Frank Howard pitching batting practice, kind of to uh, David Letterman in a skit he did on his old show, uh, and Buck Showalter was in it too. And David Letterman was uh, demonstrating the technique of uh, standing in the box and taking one for the team. And they showed Frank Howard throwing pitches to him, and it looked like you know five or six straight balls hit uh, uh, hit Letterman. I don't think I don't. I think they cut away from it. I don't think because Howard looked like he was throwing pretty hard, and I don't think that David Letterman was going to stand there and take him. But maybe he did. Uh, but anyway, it was a pretty funny clip uh, that I saw on uh, Twitter 
last night. It is 33 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 36 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call on uh, Halloween 2023. Woohoo! Um, other quick baseball news before we get to, to some other things around the sports world. Um, the Cleveland Guardians interviewed Craig Council for their open manager position uh, yesterday. Uh, Council, whose contract with the Milwaukee Brewers expires um, at the end of the World Series, has been given uh, was given early permission to go out and interview for other jobs. So he has talked to the Guardians. Uh, he the Mets have expressed interest as well. Uh, Milwaukee has said they want him back. Uh, so uh, you know we'll see. Uh, but they would like to have him come back, but uh, they're allowing him to go out and kind of kick the tires even before his contract runs out. Uh, look, if the Mets want him and Council has interest, the Mets are going to win it. I mean, the Mets the Mets are going to pay him more than anybody else is, right? Uh, and, you know, Council's a good manager. There's no question about it. Uh, a guy who played 16 seasons in the, seasons in the majors. Uh, still a little too analytics-driven for me, but that's just me. Uh, because you know how I feel about that. But, look, they won 92 games this year, won the NL Central title. But, you know, a lot of people have been critical because, uh, you know, they, they, they get in the playoffs and they get bounced all the time. But uh, he's been a manager in Milwaukee uh, since taking over when Ron Renneke was fired back in 2015. Um, they had only made four playoff appearances before he took over, and they've been a perennial playoff team since then. Uh, 707 wins, 625 losses with the Brewers. Uh, he's the, 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 he holds the club record for both wins, uh, and games managed, which tells you how many managers the Brewers have gone through over the years. So, uh, so we'll see, but, uh, the, the Guardians now, they're going to, he's going to talk to the Mets and as I, I, if I had to be a, a, a betting man and I'm not, but if I was, I'd say he ends up with the Mets, but we'll see. Um, Aaron Judge was named the winner of the uh, Major League Baseball's Clemente Award for philanthropy uh, yesterday. Uh, good for him. Uh, you know, look, I, you know how I feel about the Yankees, but I actually like Aaron Judge. Um, you know, he's a guy that uh, he plays the game right, loves the game, uh, isn't controversial. You know, he's not Derek Jeter, but in some ways he carries himself Jeter-like. He's he's a guy that's hard to hate. You know, there are guys in that Yankee team I can't stand, but Aaron Judge is not one of them. He's a guy that is very – it's very difficult for me to dislike the guy. As talented as he is and as much as he has the ability to, to crush your team like a grape, um, I just think uh, – I just like the way he plays the game. So, uh, uh, But he, he runs a uh, – it's called the All Rise Foundation uh, that uh, supports youth in uh, New York and uh, in San Joaquin and Fresno counties in California, which is where he lives – uh, he's, you know, hosted all kinds of baseball camps. He awards grants uh, to different schools. He works with the kids with Tourette's and autism. And uh, uh, so good for him. Uh, he is the uh, winner of the Clemente Award for this year. Uh, the NFL last night. Oh, boy. Uh, the clock has to be ticking on Josh McDaniels as they got beat last night uh, by the Detroit Lions. And... That offense was just absolutely inept. Their defense has kind of, you know, kept them in it, you know, and they got back to 500 a couple of weeks ago. They have since lost two in a row. Jimmy Garoppolo got sacked six times last night. And, you know, 
He was 10 of 21. 126 yards, one interception, six sacks. Quarterback rating of 46.9. And you could see that the pressure was getting to him the entire game because he had the happy feet. He was throwing the ball uh, to places that he wouldn't normally throw it to because he was so paranoid about getting killed. You know, and, and look, this was still a close game late. Um, you know, the defense bailed the Raiders out. When you think about this, you know, the Raiders only scored 14 points last night, and seven of them came from the defense. Marcus Peters with a 75-yard interception return that made it a two-point game, you know, four minutes into the, the second half. But then the Raiders did absolutely nothing the rest of the game. The Raiders had 157 yards of total offense in this game. 157 yards. And, you know, Josh McDaniels, uh, I'm not sure he's going to survive the season. And if you're Detroit, look, 6-2. and two. Jared Goff last night was okay. He wasn't great. Threw for 272, touchdown, interception. You know, he was all right. Uh, the story of the game last night, well, A, was the uh, – Lions kicker, Riley Patterson, four field goals, including a, a 52-yarder late to kind of put the icing on the cake. Um, but uh, Jameer Gibbs, the rookie running back last night, 26 carries, 152 yards, average six yards a pop. Reynolds last night also, by the way, 14 carries, 74 yards. Las Vegas, by the way, had held the uh, five straight teams to under 200 yards of passing. Not last night. Even as great, even though Goff wasn't great, you know that defense last night was just atrocious. So the offense stunk. The defense stunk. And if you are Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, you've got to be saying, well, where do we go from here? And by the way, what a great job getting rid of Derek Carr, bringing Jerry, Jimmy Garoppolo in. It's worked out really well. Las Vegas had 12 first downs the entire night last night. One for nine on third down. Oh, but what a great job by Gibbs last night. I mean, just uh, it was fun to watch him. Um, And uh, if you're the Raiders, look, you better win this Sunday. I mean, let's be honest. They're not making the playoffs, right? They're three and five. They're not, I mean, they're averaging 15 points a game. They're not making the playoffs. But – this weekend, they're playing the 2-6 and six New York Giants, who are only averaging 12 points a game. I'm telling you, if they don't beat the Giants on Sunday, and it's a home game for the Raiders, I hope Josh McDaniels has his bags packed. Because I don't, you know, at, at this point, I don't know if you're the Raiders where you go here. And I think the clock has also run out on Jimmy G. And I know how much of a fan our old buddy Dan Zampano is of Jimmy Garoppolo, but, man, he has not been good. The injuries issues, I think, over the years maybe have caught up to him. I mean, it doesn't help when you're, you know, your your offensive line is allowing you to get sacked on a regular basis. Um, but, uh, poof. 
just an absolutely putrid performance last night. You know, the one thing I was I was grateful for, by the way, and, and I, I didn't mention this, but uh, earlier, but how happy I am these new baseball rules. Look how quickly the game got over last night. That game was over before 11 o'clock last night, the World Series game. I mean, first pitch wasn't until like 8-10, and the game was over before 11 o'clock. Thank you, Jesus. I mean, gone, you know, I think gone are the days of, you know, four-plus-hour postseason games. You know, and if they're going to insist on, you know, I remember, you know, a lot of talk was, look, we need to start World Series games earlier because the kids can't watch them. Two hours and 51 minutes last night. That's less time than it takes to play a football game. A lot less. Football games now are taking three and a half hours. But people are saying, you know, we're saying baseball was slow. But anyway, I digress. But it was, what I was glad of is that I was able to turn on the rest of Monday Night Football, I had, you know, been checking the score on and off, and it was a it was a fairly tight game, and I got to watch, uh, you know, the fourth quarter and uh, and the end of the third quarter and then the fourth quarter. I was like, oh, I'm not sure. I'm glad I did turn it on, but uh, at least it gave me a sense of of what was going on, and there was nothing good coming out of uh, that Raider game last night. As if you're a Raider fan, and I have some friends who are Raider fans, and I feel very very badly for them. Uh, bad news for the Vikings. Uh, Kirk Cousins officially done, torn Achilles, out for the year. Uh, he is a free agent at the end of this year, so it is possible he has played his last game as a Minnesota Viking. But now the question becomes, the Vikings, who are 4-4, four and four, they are in the playoff race. What do they do now? Because Jaron Hall, the fifth-round draft pick out of BYU, ain't the answer. Trade deadline is Today. Today. So if you're the Vikings, you're scrambling. What do you do? Well, who you know, we talked about Mill. Maybe Ryan Tannehill would be available in a trade uh, with Nashville after the job that uh, Will Levis is. You know, the question is: is is Tennessee really ready to turn the reins over to Will Levis? It would be a gutsy move. Uh, it would be a very gutsy move by Tennessee to do that who, you know, still have hopes of making the playoffs. And, you know, with the parity we have in the AFC, it's still possible that they could. So I don't know if that's realistic. Jameis Winston could be available from the New Orleans Saints. You know, uh, and that's, you know, again, that's the question there. New Orleans is a 500 team. Do you do you feel confident enough that Derek Carr is going to be able to stay upright, that you won't need Jameis Winston? Um, you know, I don't know about that. Uh, who else is out there? Uh, Matt Ryan, I guess, is still available. Matt Ryan, who is not playing right now. Um, you know, he was uh, with the Indianapolis Colts last night, did not get a contract for this year. He has not announced his retirement, so he's out there. So I suppose he would be a possibility. Uh, another guy, uh, Colt McCoy, uh, who has ties to uh, the Minnesota head coach, because uh, he played for O'Connell in Washington. So Colt McCoy, a possibility as well. He was cut in training camp by Arizona. Uh, there's also talk that Arizona, who has bench Dobbs now, uh, maybe he would be available in a trade as well. So something's going to happen today with the Vikings, because I can't believe you know, at 4-4 four and four in the middle of the playoff hunt in the NFC that they are going to uh, ride the rest of the way 
with a fifth-round draft pick rookie. Uh, I'd be shocked if that's the case, so we'll have to keep an eye out for that. Uh, also, uh, injury news for the Patriots. Kendrick Bourne out for the year, tore his ACL in the game against the Dolphins, and uh, an offense that is struggling is going to be struggling even more. This is a guy who leads the team in uh, receiving yards, uh, receptions, receiving touchdowns. Uh, Through the first eight games, he was on the field for 73% of the team's snaps, and now he's gone. And so who do they have left? Juju Smith-Schuster, who has been uh, underwhelming to say the least, and a bunch of guys you couldn't pick out of a lineup. So... (laughs) You know, uh, look, the Patriots are going nowhere. I don't think they're, you know, I don't think they're going to be trading for a big uh, splash receiver or anything. I think at this point the Patriots are going to, you know, they might sell a couple of pieces off to get some draft capital back and just roll with what they've got. But it's uh, so a bad Patriots offense just got worse uh, with the news that Kendrick Bourne is out for the year. 48 minutes past the hour. We've got to take one more break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 51 minutes past the hour, a couple of minutes left here on uh, the Halloween Tuesday. Uh, No show tomorrow. We'll be here on Thursday and Friday, but we will not have a show uh, tomorrow. The wife has the day off, so uh, we've got a few things we're going to get done around here, So, uh, but we'll be here on Thursday and Friday. Uh, The Bruins last night wasn't looking good. I had the Bruins game. I was uh, on my computer uh, as much as the Internet would let me stream it as it was uh, buffering constantly, but I watched – uh, the first part of that, and uh, they got down 2 nothing early to the uh, Florida Panthers. Uh, they were just awful in the first period. Matter of fact, you know, I, I turned the damn thing off after the uh, uh, the Panthers scored their second goal. Um, uh, Alexander Barkov and uh, Sam Reinhart with goals in the first period. The Bruins got outshot 16-6 to in the first period. It's like they came out uh, and forgot there was a game. Uh, thank God Linus Olmark was, was strong last night. Uh, 35 saves in the win. But the best part was the Bruins came back and absolutely stifled uh, Florida the rest of the way. Brad Marchand had a goal uh, in the second period. Uh, Charlie McAvoy tied it up midway through the third. And uh, then Pavel Zaka wins it uh, 336 of the overtime. And the Bruins come back to win that one by a final of 3-2. to two. Um they might be without Charlie McAvoy for a little while. Uh, there is a chance he is going to get suspended. Um, he laid a serious hit on uh, Oliver Ekman Larson last night. I mean, he hit him uh, uh, to the in the head. He got a five-minute major, uh, a game dis- DQ, uh, which actually uh, – Made it so that the Bruins were down to just four defensemen. It was so bad they had to take one of their one of their forwards, uh, Danton Heinen, and actually have him play uh, uh, defense late in the game. Um, and so there is a good chance that he is at least going to be fined. Uh, but there is a, I would say, there's a better than average chance he's going to serve a suspension of a couple of games, perhaps. Um, for because it was an ugly looking hit, it really was. But a good win for the Bruins last night. Eight. Oh, and one now for the Boston Bruins for a team that nobody thought or not. I shouldn't say nobody, but a lot of people felt it was not going to be a playoff team this year. And they have gotten off to a much better start than look. If you held a gun to Jim Montgomery's head and said you weren't going to have a loss with the exception of the overtime loss to the Ducks uh, nine games into the season, he would say, sign me up for that. 
so uh, they are uh, ahead of the Detroit uh, in the Atlantic, but uh, they just uh, they just continue to roll. They play again on Thursday and they play again on Saturday. But as I said, I think there's a good chance Charlie McAvoy won't be there for at least uh, one of those games. Uh, the Boston Celtics. They just absolutely tuned up the Washington Wizards last night. Look, the Wizards are terrible. Let's you know, let's be honest. The Wizards are uh, probably going to be a lottery team this year. Uh, have a good chance to get one of the top two or three picks in the upcoming draft. But the Celtics last year against bad teams struggled at times. Well, last night they came out and they laid 42 points on Washington in the first quarter. They outscored them 42 to 19. In the first quarter, they led 77 to 51 at halftime. They extended that into the third. Then in the fourth quarter, uh, Joe Mazzulla just cleared the bench, and you know Washington outscored the Celtics by 14 in this in the fourth quarter. But the game was long over by then. But Jalen Brown, who who a lot of people were left, you know, game one, everybody overreacts to everything, and he wasn't very good in game one. Well, 36 points last night. He shot 8 for 13 from three-point range last night. 36 points, six rebounds, couple of assists, three steals. Just was great. Jason Tatum added 33. And Porzingis with another solid game, a guy who used to play in Washington, played there for a year and a half, got a nice ovation. Uh, 15 points last night uh, to go along with six rebounds and three assists, a couple of block shots. Uh, he only played 23 minutes and uh, shot seven for nine. What a great addition he's going to be. Uh, Drew Holiday uh, did a good job distributing the ball again last night. Uh, he had 11 points and uh, played 26 minutes. But, again, a lot of these guys, and that's you love to see games like this. You know, like I said, last year they struggled against the bad teams. So there were times against bad teams when Joe Mazzula was having to play Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, you know, f- for way more minutes than he had to. Well, last night, you know, Brown played 31 and Tatum played 27. If you can do that all season – when you play the bad teams, you know, it's only going to help you when you get into the playoffs uh, later on in the season. And right now, the Celtics probably are the odds-on favorite to uh, represent the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals. Well, I mean, we got a long way to go before that. Injuries can happen, everything else. But uh, they look pretty good to, to start the year. Uh, and the 76ers finally pulled the trade off to get rid of the malcontent James Harden. They ship him off to Los Angeles to the Clippers um, they send him along with um, P.J. Tucker, who has a couple of years left on his contract. And the Sixers are getting back four players as well uh, as multiple draft picks. And, uh, look, James Harden, everywhere he goes, wears out his welcome within a year or two. You know, he did it in Houston. Uh, he did it with the Nets. He's now done it in Philly. And now let's see what happens when he goes to Washington. I mean, to uh, Los Angeles. But he's uh, look that Clippers team uh, has a lot of talent. And uh, the question is, is how well will they play together? You know, he's he's going to be there with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, Russell Westbrook. Uh, Westbrook knows Harden well. Uh, they played together in Houston and Oklahoma City, so you know maybe he can be a stabilizing influence. But uh, uh, if you're a Sixer fan. Uh, you've got to be saying good riddance because just he was just brutal, just brutal. I mean, I don't care how talented he is; he takes a lot of bad shots, and it just he's an absolute cancer everywhere he goes. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back on Thursday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. 
Uh, we'll leave you this morning with some music from Mark Cohen, one of my favorites, Walking in Memphis. We'll see you on Thursday. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.